The fetus at the center of the U.S. Supreme Court's landmark decision in Roe v. Wade was born and immediately adopted in spring 1970, meaning that she, we don't know much about the infant, but we do know it was a girl, is now almost 47 years old, still living, apparently, at the intersection of anonymity and legal immortality. Who could have imagined that the legal, political, and philosophical battle that Roe v. Wade was meant to resolve would continue to rage nearly half a century after the baby's birth? Although the federal courts intervene from time to time, most of the heaviest fighting has shifted to state houses across the country. From 2010 through 2016, state legislatures enacted at least 338 new abortion restrictions, or put another way, close to one-third of the more than 1,100 measures adopted by states since the Supreme Court legalized abortion in 1973. Hi, I'm John Schwannis, and on this edition of Indiana Lawmakers, we'll look at some of the abortion-related policy disputes that have emerged in this year's session of the Indiana General Assembly. Let's start with this update from Jill Sheridan of WFYI Public Media. Indiana's abortion debate continues this session with a couple of bills that tackle the divisive issue. One proposal would require abortion providers to tell a woman receiving a medical abortion that the procedure is reversible if they change their mind. Opponents say there is no medical evidence to back up this claim. Another bill would lengthen the amount of time that a woman has to have an ultrasound and require women to look at images and listen to the heartbeat before an abortion. That bill has not yet been given a hearing. Legislators have already said they don't want to tackle another proposal that would have completely banned abortions, saying that would end up in the courts. That's what happened after lawmakers passed a bill last year that banned abortions based on genetic disability, race, or gender. It also required an unborn fetus to be cremated or buried. Both of those elements were ruled unconstitutional by a district court. The state may still appeal. Indiana already has laws in place that require physicians to have hospital admitting privileges and that abortions may only be performed through the first 20 weeks. The national debate continues as well with a number of Indiana representatives calling for the defunding of Planned Parenthood. Numerous well-attended rallies for reproductive rights have been held in Indiana since the start of the session. Counter-rallies have also drawn hundreds of anti-abortion advocates who say defunding Planned Parenthood will greatly slash the number of abortions. Abortion rates are on the decline in Indiana. Anti-abortion advocates point to the success of more restrictive laws, while pro-abortion rights advocates say better access to contraception is to thank. For Indiana Lawmakers, I'm Jill Sheridan. Thanks, Jill. Back in a moment with what promises to be a lively roundtable discussion. Indiana Lawmakers, from the State House to your house. Purdue researchers are finding new ways to treat cancer, provide drug-free therapies, advance wound repairs, reduce chronic illness symptoms, helping people, changing lives. Purdue Research Foundation. Contact innovation at prf.org. When the General Assembly's four legislative caucuses unveiled their legislative priorities for the 2017 session, abortion wasn't on a single list. Leaders in both parties and both chambers expressed a desire to focus instead on bread-and-butter issues such as road funding, workforce development, government efficiency, and, of course, the state's biennial budget. Seven weeks into the session, those issues are indeed getting the bulk of the attention, but anti-abortion activists, both inside and outside the General Assembly, have found ways to push their cause into the spotlight and into the legislative fray. Here to discuss the issue are 
Democratic Representative Sue Arrington of Muncie, an outspoken supporter of abortion rights. Republican Representative Ron Bacon of Chandler, Vice Chairman of the House Public Health Committee and a longtime abortion opponent. And Patty Stauffer, Vice President of Public Policy for Planned Parenthood of Indiana and Kentucky. And I thank you all for uh, being here. I, obviously, we're going to talk, uh, Representative Bacon, about your bill, because it is one bill that actually has moved out of committee. But let me start with another abortion-related bill that created quite a stir when it was uh, first <clears throat> unveiled in, in the fall, even before the session, and that is Kurt Nisley's bill. He's a Republican from Goshen, and basically his bill, 1134, he called it protection from conception. And it is what it, is what it sounds like. It would have basically... Uh, mm -hmm. Uh, prohibited any type of abortion, no exceptions for rape, incest, or uh, the health, health of the mother. Are you glad uh, that that is not going to move out of committee? At least the uh, chairman of, of, uh, of the committee that, where that was assigned has... See, I, I start with the easy ones. They get tougher as, as time as we go here. But are you glad that uh, is not going anywhere this session? Well, yes, I, I am to a point because uh, I'm, I'm concerned about the bill. Um, I understand what, what Representative Nicely is trying to do, but the bill was a little bit, for, for my taste, a little too intrusive. And if we, if the bill had passed, uh, then what would have happened to what we had done the past 10 to 15 years in the state legislature uh, with the rules that we have in place? Possibly, and I'm sure it would end up back in the courts and, and uh, when it would have went all the way up to the Supreme Court. And if they had ruled against us, then we may have, we may have lost everything we have done. So that was my concern about the bill. And, of course, some would say that was the, the hope and the, the desire in desire. That mm -hmm. Indiana, being, say, Mike Pence's uh, home state, uh -huh. as somebody who, of course, has been an opponent of abortion uh, during his time in Congress mm -hmm. and in Indiana as governor, would be able to spawn the, the bill that would, in fact, uh, go uh, to the Supreme Court. The Supreme but Court, not to sure. be. Uh, are you glad? <laughs> no, it's sort of... So the opponent, the opponent of abortion, the opponent of abortion is glad it didn't uh, go anywhere. Does this mean you're glad? Yeah. Or the opposite. I'm confusing no. myself with my own questions. What, what, what was your take on that bill? No, I'm glad it didn't go anywhere either. And when I saw it, I was pretty shocked at how far it went. Um, you know, it seems like every bill we get through this, uh, the Indiana General Assembly, it goes straight to the courts. And I think that one was definitely. If it had gotten through, would have been on a fast track. Well, certainly the the, uh, the bills that came out of uh, this past session, the, the mm -hmm. high-profile measure that would have prohibited abortion related to birth abnormalities mm -hmm. or gender, uh, mm -hmm. that was struck down as, or at least a preliminary injunction, uh, a federal judge here in Indianapolis, as well as one that would have required uh, burial or cremation for for fetuses miscarried or aborted. Uh, there was a lot of, uh, this bill, of course, the committee chairman, Ben Smaltz, uh, from uh, Auburn said he wasn't going to hear 1134. Uh, he hasn't, he won't, apparently. He has concerns, but there were picketing, there were uh, protesters outside his house, uh, his private cell number was distributed and so forth. Uh, what do you think about the tactics? Uh, and if the, if the roles were reversed, are these tactics that uh, your organization, Planned Parenthood, would employ? I think from my perspective, I had a little bit different take on the bill, is that with um, Representative Nisley's bill, it cut to the chase. I mean, this is something that really lawmakers have been trying to do for the last 30 years, is ban abortion. Um, but by effectively, you know, over the last 10, 15 years, we have just slowly been cutting away at reproductive access. So 
Um, I think it was unfortunate that demonstrators um, show up and um, desire to basically make their opinions known in that kind of a fashion. Unfortunately, um, that is pretty common for um, our staff and and so it is not an area or a way that we are hoping that our supporters go. We think that there is a different um, discourse that should be taken, and we're going to be advocating in that way, but no less vocally and no less um, strongly for our side of the issue. So, How about those tactics? I mean, and we've seen uh, lots of public pressure applied on both sides. We've seen everything from, you know, the delivery of flowers and valentines uh, from one side of the issue to <clears throat> petition drives right. and, and protests in a traditional fashion and marches on the other. Do, mm -hmm. Are lawmakers already pretty much dug in on this issue, or do these kinds of displays really have much of an effect? Well, I think they have an effect, and they're, they're trying to affect, affect you. I don't think the lawmaker is affected that much. I'm affected by my constituents and what they feel, not affected by what anyone else coming in from the outside, because we've gotten that on many other bills that we've done in the past, the voucher bills, the uh, uh, right to work bill. We've had huge uh, people uh, protesting and doing that. So, so, but our, we're, we're looking at what our constituents want. Now, if my neighbors were outside my door, and then I would be concerned, and I could possibly say, now we need to talk about this, and we need to go to see what we think. But... Uh, most of us know what we want and, and know what our constituents want, and those types of protests are not going to make that. And in your difference. district, uh, you represent a portion of, of southern Indiana right. along the Ohio River. You're confident yes. that you have a sense, uh, your fingers on the pulse of your of from your of my district. Yes, because we have one of the largest right to life groups in the country, and we're just a very solid conservative area, and that's how we feel. And and there's other parts of the state that don't feel that way. So and I understand that. So that's and we try to work with what's best for our constituents. Indiana can be a diverse state, it as we know, uh, when it comes to these sorts of opinions. And believe me, we are going to talk about your bill. Okay. I, we're, we're, saving the yeah. we're building up Save to the it. best for life. But another uh, bill, it was a Senate bill uh, that apparently will not get a hearing, uh, a couple of them actually, that, that would have been uh, additional restrictions in terms of uh, notification, let's say, for pregnant women. One, uh, before a woman could get an abortion, she would have been uh, not only offered the opportunity to look at an ultrasound and hear the heartbeat, she would have been compelled to do so. Was that, uh, it, I mean, it doesn't appear that that would be uh, uh, alive this session, but I mean, this, is, this well, has been a recurring theme, and certainly other states have approached this. Uh, I hope this. it doesn't come back. I think when you look at it, yes, women, the ultrasound, current law says you have to have these um, notifications and the uh, ultrasound, but to force a woman to look at it, I think, goes into the realm of bullying. Um, it should be her choice if she wants to look at something like a, an ultrasound or hear a fetal heartbeat, uh, and not something that not only is she forced to look at, but the clinic staff is forced to force it on her. Uh, so I think, um, you know, it's, a, it's an idea that uh, really needs to be buried. Penny Stafford, is, go ahead. Uh, There's no other um, practice of medicine where the state legislature comes in and becomes a physician. And that is what is consistently done with abortion restrictions in this state, is the dictating of medical practice by the state legislature. And it's inappropriate. And... Abortion is health care. 
And again, I use that over and over. Those aren't my words. That, those are the words of the American College of OBGYNs. Um, and I think that we need to start recognizing it as such and um, moving the legislature out of the practice of medicine and out of the physician's office when a woman is making decisions about her pregnancy. Perfect segue. <laughs> I promise we'll talk about your bill. And in fact, sure. it would require physicians uh -huh. you know, in the state uh, Department of Health to put together an informational form that would offer women, well, you can talk about the bill, but yep. certainly it's those who are uh, receiving or undergoing a drug-induced abortion, a two-step process. If they uh, waver or change their mind, uh, your contention is they should be told that there may, may be an alternative in, in that they could take a different medication or no medication the second time around and, and right. preserve the pregnancy. Mm -hmm. What, how to answer uh, Patty Stoffer's concern? Well, uh, I mean, uh, what, are you doing, gonna, what are you doing in the doctor's office? What am I doing in the doctor's office? Well, I am a healthcare professional, and uh, I'm a respiratory therapist, and I've delivered, been in the delivery room with, with many, many babies. That was my job to take care of the infant when we did uh, the deliveries. Um, so I've done that for the last 50 years. Uh, I'm giving my age away now, too. Uh, so, but. I think our hair already Yeah, it's, it's yeah, already doing that. Yeah. What, what this bill does, in, does, doesn't do quite what. what uh, has been said, the health department, state board, department of health, is to de develop a form to be given to the mother that states if you change your mind tomorrow or the next day before you take the second pill from the, from the abortion-inducing drug, here is the possibility, a number you can call a website of a group of OBGYNs who have used the progestion, which is a normal hormone in the woman's body, to help keep the baby in the womb. So that is a choice that you are given, and all we're telling them to do is give them the information. We are not asking the physicians to tell them anything. We're not asking them to say you can do this and reverse the process, because we know it's not 100% successful even if you do. It's only approximately 60 to 70% successful. Well, in the study that's been cited, if I'm not right. mistaken, it's not exactly a large scientific study. Right. I, I think it's six individuals and four saw some sort of reversal right. the, the current, uh, and were mm -hmm. able to preserve their pregnancies. And, of course, yeah. science would say that's there's no uh, right. control, there's no placebo, right. there's no... Yes. Uh, it's not analysis. a scientific fact, and it's not been a clinical study. But there have been now, and there will be published shortly, 300 case studies that show that this can happen. Now, the difference is, uh, and some of the arguments have been that, well, if they wouldn't have taken a second pill, the same thing would have happened. And that's a possibility. We know that. But still, use, the use of progesterone is used normally to help uh, women who are having, uh, prone to having miscarriages to keep them from doing that and help them keep the baby. So they're using the same medication that they've been using for 40 years for that purpose, and this may help them do that. And the fact that the American Congress of Obstetricians and Gynecologists says that there is no evidence to this effect in There's some There's no scientific evidence. No scientific <clears throat> evidence of the kind we refer to with the large control Correct. group and so forth. And some physicians say there could be yes. a risk to some. heart and other organs with, with the... <clears throat> right, and there's also a risk of, of the uh, RU46 pill or RU48, whatever it is, itself. itself. There's a risk to that also. There's a risk of taking anything. There's a risk of taking aspirin. But there's not large uh, studies done in that. Taking progesterone, as I said, we've been using it for the last 40-plus years. It's not that big of a risk. It's a normal hormone in the woman's body. Sue Arrington, you heard the, the <laughs> argument for give us yours against. Well, it just seems like it's something that's unnecessary, uh, that it's just another attempt to uh, talk women out of getting an abortion. 
uh, whether it's through a pamphlet that they get, uh, telling them to call a hotline number or a website. Um, I mean, that doesn't sound like the most, if I were undergoing this, I'd want to talk to a doctor and not call a hotline or, or go to a website for something like this. But, you know, how many women would actually change their minds after they've, it, it's so hard to get an abortion already. The, the, the women who get abortions have to really be uh, determined with all the things you have to go through. If, whether it's going to a, a clinic where you may have to walk through a line of people telling you, uh, you know, not to do it, or um, the wait, waiting uh, period before you can get an abortion. Uh, I think all of these things are uh, designed to discourage women from using this particular uh, medical solution to their problem. There was an problem. increase in the waiting period in one of the bills <clears throat> that we just talked about yeah. that isn't going anywhere that I think would have taken it up to 48, 48 hours. hours. Uh, again, mm -hmm. So, uh, what, if you use this argument that you're, even if you're not mandating that doctors do something, but the, the, the Board of Health or the Department of Health provide a form in the interest of, of sound public policy, devil's advocate here, what, what prevents uh, the legislature from saying that the Department of Health shall produce a list that says for obese patients or those with a body mass index that's too high that you will die of heart disease and such and such, or smoking or alcohol. Why is, why is this different? Why, why uh, are these other things, which uh, there's irrefutable evidence that some right. of these other things, uh, tobacco and, and alcohol use, can be uh, detrimental to long-term usage, can be detrimental to physical well-being and health. Why, don't, why not jump in there and, and uh, practice medicine, uh, or at least encourage uh, these same practices? Mm -hmm. What we do to a little bit, to a certain extent, we do that. But for, for the abortion pill, the, the reason we're doing it for abortion versus that, there, there's things that are done nationwide. People are already aware of all the ob obesity issues and the smoking problem. That's been going on for, for decades, and they're, they're aware of the bad things that can happen and what that's available. The abortion information, the reason we're doing it this way is because the information is not aware the, Women are not aware of it. The mothers don't know that, that there is a possibility. So that is why it's not being used that much, and that's why we feel that only in 10 years there's only been 300 because of the lack of knowledge. So we're trying to increase the awareness. Just as we do smoking cessation, just as we do the obesity, we have stepped up as a state and increased the awareness of those issues, and we have done that with our laws in the past. So this is doing it on the same uh, threshold of making it making more people aware that it's a possibility that you call the hotline, and if you do call the hotline, you've put in touch with a doctor, an OBGYN who does uh, yes, but feel where that it's a possibility. Doctor? Is it someone uh, where you're at? They, they have them throughout the United States, and they'll put you in contact with someone locally. Mm -hmm. There's one here in Indianapolis. There's one in Fort Wayne. Mm -hmm. uh, they both came to testify at, at mm -hmm. the uh, uh, hearing that we had. Mm -hmm. So they are well, local. You know, right? I, I disagree with you on why there are so few of uh, mm -hmm. cases. And I think it's because most people don't change their mind. That could very well be. Yeah. When they go in for an abortion, they've already thought about it. It's not like they wake up one morning and say, oh, I think I'll get an abortion. Mm -hmm. um, 
But we feel that if they do change their mind, people do change their mind every day about all types of things and everything that we are involved in, or possibly they may have been coerced into it by a boyfriend or, or uh, a, um, we have a lot of sex trafficking issues also by a pimp or something that's possible to do that, and they may change their mind and then get that opportunity. So that's one of the reasons we're doing it. And the way we feel about it, you know, is if we save one baby, it was worth the effort. Well, and I want to jump in in terms of the policies and procedures that go into the provision of abortion. And there is a very extensive um, process ahead of time where the woman is counseled and spoken to and informed consent is received um, so that we can begin to sift out through those issues. And, and that's the case with both drug-induced and Absolutely. Traditional surgical mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and I think what is lost in this entire abortion conversation that has continued again for the last 30 years is that 40 we, years. 30, 40 years, 40 is that, you know, we have approximately 8,000 abortions a year in the state of Indiana. We still have nearly 50% of all of our pregnancies are unintended. Nearly 40,000 pregnancies that are unintended. And this gives us a huge opportunity, and I'm, I'm looking forward to having this conversation in coming legislative sessions about how do we take that opportunity on the front end to really begin in a mindful, thoughtful way of tackling unintended pregnancies. So the state of Indiana, nearly half a billion dollars are spent on publicly funded births. Over half of those are unintended. Again, there is a huge economic reason for us to be taking on unintended pregnancies, and there is a huge reason to tackle the abortion issue on the front end. Well, how troubled are uh, opponents of these restrictions? How troubled are you by this legislation? Because as it was amended, uh, there are mock-ups in the bills. They're uh -huh. still uh, sort of percolating. But basically, one change would be the addition of, uh, I don't know if it's an asterisk or a little, uh, you know, footnote that says that this isn't scientific, that this warning is not scientific. So does that, does that sort of take the sting out of it as well, far as you're concerned, or is it? It's disingenuous. You know, you go to a physician's office, and you expect to be able to have a very open, honest, and professional encounter with your physician. Ab abortion providers are no different in that regard. The, we, you know, take great pride in the highest quality of care to women who are seeking those services. And I think in that also is, is something that we have in common with um, those who oppose abortion. Everyone is very interested in the safety and security of the woman and that she is getting the highest quality compliant care, correct? So um, I think that that is definitely something that we are committed to. And um, it's just one of those things that I'm, I just continually get frustrated um, that we are not more thoughtful about the prevention side. Well, if this bill does, I mean, nothing else has come out of committee on either, and this one did. Right, and this one and did. And that's another discussion why, why you were the, got the, the, uh, the lucky straw. <laughs> so. but, um, but, I mean, if this uh, is enacted and signed, um, are you done with abortion legislation, or do you have some other things? I mean, obviously, I'm not talking oh, about this session, sure. but, I mean, you and your colleagues who have these concerns, are you satisfied then? Are you, can you just... Uh, uh, retire from this issue happily? Uh, no. Okay, <laughs> so, so it, just, it is an honest is, answer. You see it's, this it's, as yeah. simply another... As, as I said, I've been a, a pro-life uh, individual all my life, and, and it's just the way I feel about it. And as long as Roe v. Wave is in place, then I know that we're... It is the law, and I respect the law, 
and that's the way we're going to have to do it. The only way I can have any effect on it as a law lawmaker is is to try and chip away at a few things as I can. I can't reverse Roe v. Roe v. Wade. I know that I personally cannot do that. I can just help the process. We're committed to, We're committed to do that, that on a federal level. We've got to move in that direction. We'll have to see and what is happens. This, and this, we're almost out of time, but I mean, is this battle going to be, it's certainly been waged at the state level for now a decade or more, mm -hmm. but with a new Supreme Court lineup in all likelihood, uh, a White House uh, that seems more supportive, for instance, of, of Ron Bacon's position. Um, they didn't know that's how they frame it. They're supportive right. of your position. position yes. Um, <clears throat> is this going to go back to being a federal issue ultimately? I guess it will be ultimately, but last word on it. I, I was maybe ultimately, but again, I think that our best bet, certainly here in the state of Indiana, is going to be working with Representative Bacon and his colleagues to, again, work on the prevention side. You prevent mm -hmm. unintended pregnancies, you eliminate abortions, or you virtually eliminate abortions. There will always be a medical need for abortions, but that is really where we need to be going with this. Colorado has an amazing program around long-acting reversible contraception that has been demonstrated, uh -huh. scientifically proven, right. <laughs> to be very effective at reducing unintended pregnancies and reducing the number of abortions. We could go on, lots to talk yeah. about on this issue. It's raged for 44 years. We could probably go on another, <clears throat> at least that long with this sure. taping. I thank you all for you. engaging in this discussion, a very civilized discussion, and I wish all discussions could be this way. Yeah. I appreciate uh, your commitment to public policy. Again, my guests have been Democratic Representative <clears throat> Sue Arrington of Muncie, Republican Representative Ron Bacon of Chandler, and Patty Stauffer of Planned Parenthood of Indiana and Kentucky. If the health arguments don't get you to stop smoking, maybe upping the cigarette tax will. The great cigarette tax debate on the next Indiana Lawmakers. And time now for our weekly conversation with Ed Feigenbaum, publisher of the newsletter Indiana Legislative Insight. Ed, in 40-plus years, are we going to still be having this uh, debate? Not you and me, John. Uh, oh, we've no, already on. been doing this for, for more than four <laughs> decades, but, but I think somebody may well be. You know, the forces on this, I, th I think, are just too diametrically opposed. You heard Representative Bacon say that, you know, he, he wants to continue to come back until he gets to the point where you have essentially, I guess, the, the Kurt Nicely bill that didn't get a hearing this session where you just say absolutely no abortions under any conditions. And then you, you have the, the viewpoint of, of the other side, which is, you know, let's take Roe v. Wade and, and improve upon that and make sure that, that women can have abortions under even more circumstances if they so choose. So it's going to be very difficult to, to come to any kind of a middle point. And it, it's only at this point, I think, really just the courts that are keeping us where we are and the legislature having to kind of deal within that kind of a, a context. And it's, it's interesting that the, the Nicely bill did not get a hearing um, this year. I think that may have been a little bit too divisive a, a kind of bill for, for legislators to tackle. And, and the, uh, the Bacon bill, in essence, was, was sort of a safety valve for them. But Is that the, why it got out of committee? I mean, uh, was there so much pressure, perhaps, on the committee chair and the speaker to say, well, I know we're going to focus on, on economic issues, but all right, here's... Here's one issue that uh, conservatives can can embrace. And well, I, I still think that if, if you look at the vote, there were two Republicans who, who voted against it. And as a result, you can't necessarily say that. I think people are still voting their consciences. All right. So I'll book us for 44 years from now to be back and finish this discussion. Like Ed, thanks as always for your insight. Much appreciated. 
For more information, episode streams, and other extra content, visit us on the web at wfyi.org lawmakers. You can access live streaming coverage of the General Assembly on the Internet as well. And remember, you can get our show on demand from Xfinity. Well, that concludes another edition of Indiana Lawmakers. I'm John Chuanis, and on behalf of WFYI Public Media, Indiana's other public broadcasting stations, and my colleagues Ed Feigenbaum and Jill Sheridan, I thank you for joining us, and I invite you to visit WFYI.org for more statehouse coverage. Until next week, take care. Purdue researchers are at the top edge of computer technology, 3D design using hand gestures, extending mobile battery life, leading through innovation and job creation. Purdue Research Foundation. Contact innovation at prf.org.